Part three of Dog Ghosts or Apparitions of Dogs by Elliot O'Donnell. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. This is the house, Mr. Baldwin panted, pulling up with the greatest difficulty, the horse evincing obvious antipathy to the iron gate. And these are the keys. I'm afraid you must go in alone, as I dare not leave the animal even for a minute oh all right i said i don't mind now that the ghost or whatever you like to call it has gone i'm myself again i jumped down and threading my way along the bramble entangled path reached the front door on opening it i hesitated the big old-fashioned hall with the great frowning staircase leading to the gallery overhead the many open doors showing naught but bare deserted boards within the grim passages all moonlit and peopled only with queer flickering shadows suggested much that was terrifying i fancied i heard noises noises like stealthy footsteps moving from room to room and tiptoeing along the passages and down the staircase once my heart almost stopped beating as i saw what at first i took to be a white face peering at me from a far recess but which i eventually discovered was only a daub of whitewash and once again my hair all but rose on end when one of the doors at which i was looking swung open and something came forth oh the horror of that moment as long as i live i shall never forget it the something was a cat just a rather lean but otherwise material black tom yet in the state my nerves were then it created almost as much horror as if it had been a ghost of course it was the figure of the walking man that was the cause of all this nervousness had it not appeared to me i should doubtless have entered the house with the utmost sang-froid my mind set on nothing but the condition of the walls drains etc as it was i held back and it was only after a severe mental struggle i summoned up the courage to leave the doorway and explore cautiously very cautiously with my heart in my mouth i moved from room to room halting every now and then in dreadful suspense as the wind soughing through across the open land behind the house blew down the chimney and set the window frames jarring at the commencement of one of the passages i was immeasurably startled to see a dark shape poke forward and then spring hurriedly back and was so frightened that i dared not advance to see what it was moment after moment sped by and i still stood there the cold sweat oozing out all over me and my eyes fixed in hideous expectation on the blank wall what was it what was hiding there would it spring out at me if i went to see at last urged on by a fascination i found impossible to resist i crept down the passage my heart throbbing painfully and my whole being overcome with the most sickly anticipations as i drew nearer to the spot it was as much as i could do to breathe and my respiration came in quick jerks and gasps six five four two feet and i was at the dreaded angle another step taken after the most prodigious battle and nothing sprang out at me 
i was confronted only with a large piece of paper that had come loose from the wall and flapped backwards and forwards each time the breeze from without rustled past it the reaction from such an agony of suspense was so great that i leaned against the wall and laughed till i cried a noise from somewhere away in the basement calling me to myself i went downstairs and investigated again a shock this time more sudden more acute pressed against the window-pane of one of the front reception rooms was the face of a man with corpse-like cheeks and pale malevolent eyes i was petrified every drop of my blood was congealed my tongue glued to my mouth my arms hung helpless i stood in the doorway and stared at it this went on for what seemed to me an eternity then came a revelation the face was not that of a ghost but of mr baldwin who getting alarmed at my long absence had come to look for me we left the premises together all the way back to the town i thought should i or should i not take the house seen as i had seen it it was a ghoulish-looking place as weird as a paris catacomb but then daylight makes all the difference viewed in the sunshine it would be just like any other house plain bricks and mortar i liked the situation it was just far enough away from a town to enable me to escape all the smoke and traffic and near enough to make shopping easy the only obstacles were the shadows the strange enigmatical shadows i had seen in the hall and passages and the figure of the walker dare i take a house that knew such visitors at first i said no and then yes something i could not tell what urged me to say yes i felt that a very grave issue was at stake that a great wrong connected in some manner with the mysterious figure awaited writing and that the hand of fate pointed at me as the one and only person who could do it are you sure the house isn't haunted i demanded as we slowly rolled away from the iron gate and i leaned back in my seat to light my pipe haunted mr baldwin scoffed why i thought you didn't believe in ghosts laughed at them no more i do believe in them i retorted but i have children and we know how imaginative children are i can't undertake to stop their imaginations no but you can tell me whether any one else has imagined anything there imagination is sometimes very infectious as far as i know then no leastways i have not heard tell of it who was the last tenant mr jeremiah dance why did he leave how do i know got tired of being there i suppose how long was he there oh nearly three years where is he now that's more than i can say why do you wish to know why i repeated because it is more satisfactory to me to hear about the house from some one who has lived in it has he left no address not that i know of and it's more than two years since he was here what the house has been empty all that time two years is not very long houses even town-houses are frequently unoccupied for longer than that i think you'll like it 
I did not speak again till the drive was over and we drew up outside the landlord's house. I then said, let me have an agreement. I've made up my mind to take it. Three years and the option to stay on. That was just like me. Whatever I did, I did on the spur of the moment, a mode of procedure that often led me into difficulties. A month later, and my wife, children, servants, and I were all ensconced in the crow's nest. That was in the beginning of October. Well, the month passed by, and November was fairly in before anything remarkable happened. It then came about in this fashion. Jenny, my eldest child, a self-willed and rather bad-tempered girl of about twelve, evading the vigilance of her mother, who had forbidden her to go out as she had a cold, ran to the gate one evening to see if I was anywhere in sight. Though barely five o'clock, the moon was high in the sky, and the shadows of the big trees had already commenced their gambols along the roadside. Jenny clambered up the gate, as children do, and, peering over, suddenly espied what she took to be me, striding towards the house, at a swinging pace, and followed by two poodles. "'Papa!' she cried, "'how cute of you! Only to think of you bringing home two doggies! Oh, papa! Naughty papa! What will mum say?' and climbing over into the lane at imminent danger to life and limb, she tore frantically towards the figure. To her dismay, however, it was not me, but a stranger, with a horribly white face and big glassy eyes, which he turned down at her and stared. She was so frightened that she fainted, and some ten minutes later I found her lying out there on the road. From the description she gave me of the man and dogs, I felt quite certain they were the figures I had seen, though I pretended the man was a tramp and assured her she would never see him again. A week passed, and I was beginning to hope nothing would happen, when one of the servants gave notice to leave. At first she would not say why she did not like the house, but when pressed made the following statement. "'It's haunted, Mrs. B.' i can put up with mice and beetles but not with ghosts i've had a queer sensation as if water was falling down my spine ever since i've been here but never saw anything till last night i was then in the kitchen getting ready to go to bed jane and emma had already gone up and i was preparing to follow them when all of a sudden i heard footsteps quick and heavy across the gravel and approached the window the boss, says I to myself, maybe he's forgot the key and can't get in at the front door. Well, I went to the window, and was about to throw it open, when I got an awful shock. Pressed against the glass, looking in at me, was a face, not the boss's face, not the face of any one living, but a horrid white thing, with a drooping mouth and wide-open glassy eyes that had no more expression in them than a pig. As sure as I'm standing here, Mrs. B., it was the face of a corpse, the face of a man that had died no natural death. And by its side, standing on their hind legs, and staring in at me, too, were two dogs, both poodles, also no living things, but dead, horribly dead. Well, they stared at me, all three of them, for perhaps a minute, certainly not less, and then vanished. 
that's why i'm leaving mrs b my heart was never over strong i always suffered with palpitations and if i saw those heads again it would kill me after this my wife spoke to me seriously jack she said are you sure there's nothing in it i don't think mary would leave us without a good cause and the description of what she saw tallies exactly with the figure that frightened jenny jenny assures me she never said a word about it to the servants they can't both have imagined it i did not know what to say my conscience pricked me without a doubt i ought to have told my wife of my own experience in the lane and have consulted her before taking the house supposing she or any of the children should die of fright it would be my fault i should never forgive myself you've something on your mind what is it my wife demanded i hesitated a moment or two and then told her the next quarter of an hour was one i do not care to recollect but when it was over and she had had her say it was decided i should make inquiries and see if there was any possible way of getting rid of the ghosts with this end in view i drove to the town and after several fruitless efforts was at length introduced to a mrs marston clerk of one of the banks who in reply to my questions said well mr b it's just this way i do know something only in a small place like this one has to be so extra careful what one says some years ago a mr jeremiah dance occupied the crow's nest he came here apparently a total stranger and though often in the town was only seen in the company of one person his landlord mr baldwin with whom if local gossip is to be relied on he appeared to be on terms of the greatest familiarity indeed they were seldom apart walked about the lanes arm in arm visited each other's houses on alternate evenings called each other teddy and leslie this state of things continued for nearly three years and then people suddenly began to comment on the fact that mr dance had gone or at least was no longer visible an errand boy returning back to town late one evening swore to being passed on the way by a trap containing mr baldwin and mr dance who were speaking in very loud voices just as if they were having a violent altercation on reaching that part of the road where the trees are thickest overhead the lad overtook them or rather mr baldwin preparing to mount into the trap mr dance was nowhere to be seen and from that day to this nothing has ever been heard of him as none of his friends or relations came forward to raise inquiries and all his bills were paid several of them by mr baldwin no one took the matter up mr baldwin pooh-poohed the errand boy's story and declared that on the night in question he had been alone in an altogether different part of the county and knew nothing whatever of mr dance's movements further than that he had recently announced his intention of leaving the crow's nest before the expiration of the three years lease he had not the remotest idea where he was he claimed the furniture in payment of the rent due to him did the matter end there i asked in one sense of the word yes 
in another no within a few weeks of dance's disappearance rumours got afloat that his ghost had been seen on the road just where you may say you saw it as a matter of fact i've seen it myself and so have crowds of other people has anyone ever spoken to it yes and it has vanished at once i went there one night with the purpose of laying it but on its appearing suddenly i confess i was so startled that i not only forgot what i had rehearsed to say but ran home without uttering as much as a word and what are your deductions of the case the same as everyone else's mr marsden whispered only like everyone else i dare not say had mr dance any dogs yes two poodles of which much to mr baldwin's annoyance every one noticed this he used to make the most ridiculous fuss hm i observed that settles it ghosts and to think i never believed in them before well i am going to try try what mr marsden said a note of alarm in his voice try laying it i have an idea i may succeed oh, i wish you luck then may i come with you thanks no i rejoined i would rather go there alone i said this in a well-lighted room with the hum of a crowded thoroughfare in my ears twenty minutes later when i had left all that behind and was fast approaching the darkest part of an exceptionally dark road i wished i had not at the very spot where i had previously seen the figures i saw them now they suddenly appeared by my side and though i was going at a great rate for the horse took fright they kept easy pace with me twice i essayed to speak to them but could not ejaculate a syllable through sheer horror and it was only by nerving myself to the utmost and forcing my eyes away from them that i was able to stick to my seat and hold on to the reins on and on we dashed until trees road sky universe were obliterated in one blinding whirlwind that got up my nostrils choked my ears and deadened me to everything save the all-terrorizing instinctive knowledge that the figures by my side were still there stalking along as quietly and leisurely as if the horse had been going at a snail's pace at last to my intense relief for never had the ride seemed longer i reached the crow's nest and as i hurriedly dismounted from the trap the figures shot past me and vanished once inside the house and in the bosom of my family where all was light and laughter courage returned and i upbraided myself bitterly for this cowardice i confessed to my wife and she insisted on accompanying me the following afternoon at twilight to the spot where the ghost appeared to originate to our intense dismay we had not been there more than three or four minutes before dora our youngest girl a pretty sweet-tempered child of eight came running up to us with a telegram which one of the servants had asked her to give us my wife snatching it from her and reading it was about to scold her severely when she suddenly paused and clutching hold of the child with one hand pointed hysterically at something on one side of her with the other i looked and dora looked and we both saw standing erect and staring at us 
the spare figure of a man with a ghastly white face and dull lifeless eyes clad in a panama hat albert coat and small patent leather boots beside him were two glossy abnormally glossy poodles i tried to speak but as before was too frightened to articulate a sound and my wife was in the same plight with dora however it was otherwise and she electrified us by going up to the figure and exclaiming who are you you must feel very ill to look so white tell me your name the figure made no reply but gliding slowly forward moved up to a large isolated oak and pointing with the index finger of its left hand at the trunk of the tree seemingly sank into the earth and vanished from view for some seconds every one was silent and then my wife exclaimed jack i shouldn't wonder if dora hasn't been the means of solving the mystery examine the tree closely i did so the tree was hollow and inside it were three skeletons here followed an extract from a local paper sensational discovery in a wood near marytown whilst exploring in a wood near marytown the other evening a party of the name of b discovered three skeletons a human being and two dogs in the trunk of an oak from the remnant of clothes still adhering to the human remains the latter were proved to be those of an individual known as mr jeremiah dance whose strange disappearance from the crow's nest the house he rented in the neighbourhood some two years ago was the occasion of much comment on closer examination extraordinary to relate the remains have been proved to be those of a woman and from certain abrasions on the skull there is little doubt she met with a violent end a second extract taken from the same paper runs thus suicide at marytown late last night percy baldwin the man who was under arrest on suspicion of having caused the death of the unknown woman whose skeleton was found on monday in the trunk of a tree committed suicide by hanging himself with his suspenders to the ceiling of his cell penned on his coat was a slip of paper bearing these words she was my wife i loved her she took to drink i parted from her she became a dog worshipper i killed her and her dogs phantasms of living dogs i could quote innumerable cases of people who have either seen or heard the spirits of dead dogs however as space does not permit of this i proceed to the oft-raised question do animals as well as people project themselves my reply is yes according to my experience they do some friends of mine have a big tabby that has frequently been seen in two places at the same time for example it has been observed by several people to be sitting on a chair in the dining-room and at the same moment it has been seen by two or more other persons extended at full length before the kitchen fire the latter figure proving to be its immaterial or what some designate its astral body which vanishes the instant an attempt is made to touch it the only explanation of this phenomenon seems to me to lie in projection the cat possessing the faculty of separating 
in this instance unconsciously its spiritual from its physical body the former travelling anywhere regardless of space time and material obstacles i have often had experiences similar to this with a friend's dog i have been seated in a room either reading or writing and on looking up have distinctly seen the dog lying on the carpet in front of me a few minutes later a scraping at the door or window both of which have been shut all the while and on my rising to see what was there i have discovered the dog outside had i not been so positive i had seen the dog on the ground in front of me i might have thought it was an hallucination but hallucinations are never so vivid nor so lasting moreover other people have had similar experiences with the same dog and why not dogs on the whole are every whit as reasoning and reflective as the bulk of human beings and how much nobler compare for a moment the dogs you know no matter whether mastiffs retrievers dachshunds poodles or even pekingese with your acquaintances with the people you see everywhere around you false greedy spiteful scandal-loving women money-grubbing attorneys lying swindling tradesmen vulgar parvenus finicky curates brutal toughs spoilt cruel children hypocrites of both sexes compare them carefully and the comparison is entirely in favour of the dog and if the creating power or powers has favoured these wholly selfish and degenerate human beings with spirits and has conferred on certain of them the faculty of projecting those spirits can one imagine for one moment that similar gifts have been denied to dogs their superiors in every respect pshaw out upon it to think so would mean to think the unthinkable to attribute to god qualities of partiality injustice and whimsicality which would render him little if anything better than a james the second of england or a louis the fifteenth of france besides from my own experience and the experiences of those with whom i have been brought in contact i can safely affirm that there are phantasms and therefore spirits of both living and dead dogs in just the same proportion as there are phantasms and therefore spirits of both living and dead human beings psychic properties of dogs some not all dogs like cats possess the psychic property of scenting the advent of death and they indicate their fear of it by the most dismal howling in my opinion there is very little doubt that dogs actually see some kind of phantasm that knowing when death is about to take place visits the house of the doomed and stands beside his or her couch i have had this phantasm described to me by those who declare they have seen it as a very tall hooded figure clad in a dark loose flowing costume its face never discernible it would of course be foolish to say that a dog howling in a house is invariably the sign of death there are many other and obvious causes which produce something of a similar effect but i think one may be pretty well assured that when the howling is accompanied by unmistakable signs of terror then some one either in the house at the time or connected with some one in the house will shortly die
dogs in haunted houses when i investigate a haunted house i generally take a dog with me because experience has taught me that a dog seldom fails to give notice in some way or other either by whining or growling or crouching shivering at one's feet or springing on one's lap and trying to bury its head in one's coat of the proximity of a ghost i had a dog with me when ghost hunting not so very long ago in a well-known haunted house in gloucestershire the dog my only companion and i sat on the staircase leading from the hall to the first floor just about two o'clock the dog gave a loud growl i put my hand out and found it was shivering from head to foot almost directly afterwards i heard the loud clatter of fire irons from somewhere away in the basement a door banged and then something or someone began to ascend the stairs up 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 came the footsteps until i could see first of all a bluish light then the top of a head then a face white and luminous staring up at me a few more steps and the whole thing was disclosed to view it was the figure of a girl of about sixteen with a shock head of red hair on which was stuck all awry a dirty little old-fashioned servant's cap she was clad in a cotton dress soiled and bedraggled and had on her feet a pair of elastic-sided boots that looked as if they would fall to pieces each step she took but it was her face that riveted my attention most it was startlingly white and full of an expression of the most hopeless misery the eyes wide open and glassy were turned direct on mine i was too appalled either to stir or utter a sound the phantasm came right up to where i stood paused for a second and then slowly went on up 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 until a sudden bend in the staircase hid it from view for some seconds there was a continuation of the footsteps then there came a loud splash from somewhere outside and below and then silence sepulchral and omnipotent i did not wait to see if anything further would happen i fled and dick my dog friend who was apparently even more frightened than i fled with me we arrived home panic-stricken over and over again on similar occasions i have had a dog with me and the same thing has occurred the dog has made some noise indicative of great fear remaining in a state of stupor during the actual presence of the apparition psychic propensities of dogs compared with those of cats though dogs are perhaps rather more alarmed at the unknown than cats i do not think they have a keener sense of its proximity still for the very reason that they show greater more unmistakable indications of fear they make surer psychic barometers the psychic faculty of scent in dogs would seem to be more limited than that in cats for whereas cats cannot only detect the advent and presence of pleasant and unpleasant phantoms by their smells few dogs can do more than detect the approach of death 
dogs make friends nearly if not quite as readily with cruel and brutal people as with kind ones simply because they cannot so easily as cats distinguish by their scent the unpleasant types of spirits cruel and brutal people attract in all probability they are not even aware of the presence of such spirits it would seem on the face of it that since dogs are on the whole of a gentler disposition than cats that is to say not quite so cruel and savage the phantasms of dogs would be less likely to be earthbound than those of cats but then one must take into consideration the other qualities of the two animals and when these are put in the balance one may find little to choose morally between the cat and the dog anyhow after making allowance for the fact that many more cats die unnatural deaths than dogs there would seem to be small numerical difference in their hauntings cases of dog ghosts appearing to be just as common as cases of cat ghosts end of part three